want apple juice. Lucas wants apple juice. I know, I heard him can say I that. Can I have apple juice? Yeah, you can have apple juice. Can I have soda? Yes, you can have soda. Can I press that button? No, you can't press that button. Why? Because that's going to play the theme song. I'm not ready to start Click. the pot. What is up, guys? James Gutman here on High Pod. I'm Dad. Welcome back to another edition of the show. It is Friday. It is uh, getting to the end of March. We're right marching out. And uh, I don't know, Matt. I thought it was supposed to go out like a lamb, and it sucks here in New York. It went from hot to now it's cold. I've had the air on. I have the heat on again. Uh, not enjoying it. My kids are sick on and off. I'm sick on and off. Everybody's sick on and off. Uh, so hopefully... You are feeling well. You are listening to this podcast. My melodic tones, whether you found me on any of the streaming services, perhaps you found me on HiPodOmDad.com. All of our archives are there. Bookmark, like, subscribe, hit that bell. Is that a bell? Is there a bell? If you see a bell, hit it. Just just hit any bell you see. And uh, let somebody know about the podcast. I do appreciate it. Also, HiBlogOmDad.com. That's my blog. Twice a week, Monday, Wednesday. been doing that for years uh, always check it out, bookmark it. There are literally hundreds and hundreds of blog posts. I've been doing two a week since 2017. So yeah, talk about mental health, heart health, parenting, autism, special needs parenting, all sorts of stuff. And this week was one of those eclectic weeks where I talked about two different subjects. The first one, people are going to misunderstand. And I expected that going in. I've dealt with this uh, at different times, in my writing, whether I was writing about wrestling and there was a time I remember, I always remember, I had written about Hulk Hogan once back in like 2003. And it was an article about Hulk Hogan um, kind of transitioning from being an in-ring wrestler to a legend and no longer, um, you know, kind of letting go of Hulkamania, so to speak, and just kind of fading off uh, into retirement. And I got angry emails from a number of different people. Uh, some people telling me, how dare I disrespect Hulk Hogan? If he asked me to wash his car, I would. Things like that. And then I had the other side. Why would you kiss Hulk Hogan's ass? What is wrong with you? And I'm like, oh, this is insane. Some people don't even read it. I've had things that people don't read. And I've also learned that, especially on Facebook, that sometimes people just read the blurb or they look at the picture and then they comment on it. You know, you could write a, an article about, you know, physics and have a picture of a duck and most of the Facebook comments will be about feeding ducks. They'll be like, I love ducks too. And you'll be like, this is about physics. It is what it is. On Monday, I wrote, when optimism for my special needs child clashes with reality. And there was a very real reason I wrote this post. And if you read the article and you get into it a little bit, you can see what that reason is. And it's about the desire of all parents to kind of think the best for their kids, you know? And I went through this when my son was first you know, diagnosed nonverbal, and they wanted to introduce a communication device. They had pictures. They wanted him to show pictures for when he spoke. And everything inside me told me not to do it. If I give him a communication device, he's never going to talk. And that's going to be it. We're going to just use communication devices. And I wanted to stand against it. But here we are. He's 11 years old. And he still doesn't speak. 
He still doesn't have words. And had I not given him that communication device, he never would have been able to tell us what he wanted, share his needs, share his wants. I would have doomed him to this life of silence, at least up until now. And it's important. It's important to put away those preconceived desires as a parent for the best for your kids when they need help in an area. And it goes for anything, man. If you have a kid who's neurotypical, but maybe struggling in math, you don't turn to them and be like, I'm not going to get you a math tutor. Why would you need a math tutor? You could do this yourself. Just sit down and study. It doesn't work like that. Sometimes your kid needs help. And sometimes us as parents, our desire to see the best in them clashes with that. And it doesn't allow them to live their best life. And that's kind of what I was talking about with Lucas and trying to figure out his schooling going forward, figure out what's spinning his wheels and what's not. And there's a lot of things that he deals with in school um, and even at, at home and some of his therapies and things like that that are optimistic. You know, he spends time setting tables, sometimes picking out letters, pointing to letters and stuff. And I love all that stuff. But there are real things that my son is still struggling with at 11. And this hit me this week, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you why it hit me this week. And this is something I didn't go into in the blog post, something I I haven't talked to too many people about. We were, I was dealing with, um, it's called OPWDD. You might know what that is. Uh, the Office for People with Developmental Disabilities. And what they do is they provide services for people like my son, where, you know, you go to them and they work with you and they give you a budget and, you know, I can get him classes and I can get, you know, reimbursed on on items that I need as a parent to a child um, that has additional needs. I mean, a lot of a lot of Lucas's uh, shortcomings or disability, however you want to put it, uh, costs money. There's supplies that I'm still buying that a lot of parents bought when their kids were babies and I'm still buying now at 11 and it's expensive and it, you know, racks up and things like that. But in order to get approved for this, I've had to jump through hoops for years, so much so that if you go back into the blog from like 2019, there's an article that I wrote called They Made Me Go to This Meeting. That was part of this process. I was doing this years ago, even before the pandemic, trying to get ready to to get approved for this. So on last week, I had had a phone call with them and I had to respond to questions from this woman about him and what he does. And this is very similar to those forms that I've written about before that you fill out where you talk about whether your son sometimes does these things, you know, all the time does these things. And they give you a list of things and nothing hits you harder than these lists because it reminds you of what your kid doesn't do. And you go into it always with this thought of like, well, he does a lot of stuff. We'll see what he does. And the next thing you know, you're like, oh my God. And she's asking questions. Does he use a utensil? Is that with help independently? And like, I'm like, no, with help. Everything's with help. And then eventually what ends up happening, which makes it even worse, is that there's some basic things. And all of a sudden I'll realize he doesn't do these things. You know, does he, you know, I mean, I'm trying to think of specifics. I can't think of specifics, but I can remember specifically the ones that were beyond him, you know? So like, you'll get to something that's like iffy. Like, all right, they'll be like, um, does he put on his clothes? And I'm like, oh. I mean, I could help him. Someone, if I had to say yes or no, no, he doesn't. He doesn't just put on his own clothes. And then from there, they're like, does he understand or tell a joke or a story? I'm like, no, you know, does he take public transportation independently? No. And then all of a sudden you're doing all these no's and you're starting to realize, you know, if he was neurotypical at 11, some of these things that seem ridiculously advanced, he'd be doing. And it hits you. It hits you kind of hard. And that was what I was struggling with. That's what I was struggling with on on Monday and, and, you know, just struggling in general, trying to figure out if 
the optimism that I have for him sometimes does clash with that. If there are things that he needs to be working on that, you know, sometimes I feel like might be ignored because I want him to be the best he can be. But is that fair sometimes, you know? Is it fair to to just say, you know, well, I know he's going to be great. We're going to work on these things. And then as we're doing that, we're missing out on these fundamentals that he should be learning because we're not focusing on it. I don't know. And one of the the disconnects that happens when I put this on on Facebook is that, you know, people comment like, push all the time. Keep pushing. Always push your kid. You know, I, I push my son. My son does weight training. I'm like, ah, oh, that's not what I'm talking about. I get it. I want him to do things. And by all means, like, I, I want him to be, you know, socially active. I want to bring him out. I want to do stuff with him. We do all those things. But what I'm talking about is the idea that we, as parents, see our kids with the rosiest of colored glasses and we want them to be the best they can possibly be. And in many cases, that's good. It's good for a kid who could really, you know, push harder. But when you have a child who does have a disability, my son has a disability and there's things in his life that he doesn't understand. I don't know. I don't post a lot of videos of him uh, just because I don't, you know, not for any other reason. But when I do, I find that people are a little surprised by it because I don't know if he comes off a little differently in writing than he is in life. I realize this because I know that some people see him differently than I see him. I see him as this wonderful kid. I see him as a part of my life. But I know if we're at a restaurant and he's clapping and he's screaming or he's like shouting, people aren't used to that. I told that story about that jackass family member in law, former... There's so many add-ons to that that title now at this point, which makes me feel good. This random cousin who was sitting at a holiday and Lucas screamed out and she goes, oh, use your inside voice. And I remember being like, what a jackass. But thinking like, there was also a part of me, the inside voice part annoyed me, but the shocked gasp, it's okay. Because I forget that people aren't used to that. They're not used to the scream that he does and this yell that he does. So there's things about him that the rest of the world sees that I as his father don't. And every once in a while, when it comes time to make sure he's reaching his full potential, when it comes time to make sure that he does the things he can do, I have to try to see him that way. I have to try to see what the world sees. And that's what happened this week. I was like, am I doing him a disservice? Am I hurting him by by pushing him to be more than maybe he's capable of right now? Does that mean he'll never be capable of it? No. Do I have optimism for him? Yeah, that's the whole point. It's the whole premise of the article. I have optimism for him. But am I hurting him by not focusing on where his skills lie right now? And I gave the the example, which I thought was great. So every once in a while, I'll write like a, an example of something in real time. When I write these things, by the way, let me just tell you, I don't know if people believe this or not. Every single thing I write almost comes off like a stream of consciousness. I sit at the computer. They literally take me like 15 minutes to write these. And then what I do is I sit on it for a few hours. I go back. I read through it, change, read through, change, read through, change. But the initial writing of everything from beginning to end is just in my brain. And I pour it out. And if it takes me longer to do that, then I scrap it and I start over. It has to be something that I feel so strongly about that I want to talk about. Um, and this, I mean, this is my life. This is what I do. If I, If I'm having a discussion with you, on email or text or even like, you know, messenger or whatever, I'm going to write it all out in, in word and I'm going to send you like pages of stuff because that's just how I work. And that's what these blogs are. These blogs are just pages of my brain coming out. 
And so every once in a while, I'll put something into words that's in my brain that I haven't thought about. And I'll kind of sum up a thought that I'm having in such a way that I'm like, oh, and it almost surprises me. And I had a line for this where I said, do I keep pushing him down the steepest of hills while wearing training skis? And this was something that was stream of consciousness just coming out of my fingers as I wrote it. And I looked at it and I'm like, that's, that's it. That sums it up. That's kind of what, what happens. On one hand, you're like, this is good. He's going to learn. He's going to do these things. But also it's possibly dangerous and it's possibly not appropriate. And it's, it's possibly, you know, putting him on a higher pedestal than he really should be at this point for his own good. It's my job as his dad to train him for the world, not to delude myself into what he's capable of. So yeah, man, I'm struggling a little bit. It's been a bit of a struggle these last few weeks. And I'm trying to trying to come to grips with some things, trying to figure some things out, trying to figure out where his time is wasted and where it's not, and trying to figure out if I'm genuinely doing what's best for him. And it's very important to me. So I appreciate you guys reading it. Hopefully you understood. If you haven't read it, do me a favor. If you only saw it on Facebook, if you looked at the picture, if you're commenting on the blurb, like don't do it. Go there, check it out. Again, highblogomdad.com was on Monday when optimism for my special needs child clashes with reality. It's a really important one for me. Uh, because it's one that I'm I'm currently dealing with. And uh, and I know other parents are too. I know there's definitely people out there who are dealing with this. On Wednesday, I switched gears. On Wednesday, there is a picture of me when I was around eight years old. It's a tough year eight <laughs> for me. It's called Letting the Bullies Get to You. This one was about growing up. And I tried to approach this from a point of view that I think a lot of people can relate to I have been bullied and I have bullied. I have done both. I'll admit that. There have been times where I've said terrible things to people. And as a kid, people said terrible things to me. And the meanest I have ever been was when people were the meanest to me. You know, that's how that works. Somebody hurts you. They make you feel like less than. They make you feel terrible. And you turn around and you do it to other people. And I told a story about a little girl. It was an awful story about this awful little girl who for some reason thought I was the fattest kid she ever saw. And she hammered me with it. I didn't know her. I don't know her name. I don't know what she looks like. I don't even remember why I was interacting with her. But it has stuck in my head for like 30 years. Just live there, you know. Um, I don't think about it all the time. But I always remember the words she said and how she said it and the disgust in her face. And it stayed with me. And I gave some other examples. My, my cousin's uh, ex-husband at the time, they were, they were getting engaged. And he, was, uh, he would just drink all the time, big drinker. And they were at the engagement party. And his friend came over. And I didn't write this in the thing, but he was like, look at this kid, look at this little fat kid over here. I saw you with Toys R Us. You're like a beach ball with legs, right? Because <laughs> this other kid, he's like, I'll pay. Hey, I have five bucks says this kid kicks the fat kid's ass. What do you say, right, right? And I'm like, I remember when you're that age, you try to like laugh along. Like, <laughs> because back then in the 80s, what was it? It was don't let the bullies win. Don't let them see you. That was the one piece of advice that I was given as a kid. Never let them see you cry. I'm like, all right, I won't, you know. That's the advice we used to give kids back then. Internalize it. Put it inside and let it eat you from the inside out. And then, you know, grow up and have an eating disorder. All right, cool. I'll do that. That's, that'll work for me. And it's hard. And it's weird because I know, here's what sucks the most about bullying, is that kids today and kids tomorrow and kids after that will always think that they are alone in this because this problem will never go away. It'll never go away. I can say that 100%. And it will never go away because the more we as adults stand against it, 
the more like I don't know. I know that it's a big push now. Anti-bullying, don't say bad things, embrace everybody, and we do. We embrace more people today than we ever did. And in many ways, there's a lot of things that we're allowed to be, you know, and we've tried to, you know, open the door for everything, whether it's uh, sexuality or, you know, fat shaming and all these different terms that we use for these things. But you can make everybody aware of everything. And there's always going to be people who don't care, people who do it anyway, people who are told at home. And here's what happens. And this is where, as somebody who had adults around me as a kid who didn't really care about this stuff, uh, whether it was racism or homophobia or any of these things. Here's what these families think, just so you know. And they teach their kids this too. They teach them that everybody thinks this way. Everybody's racist. Everybody's racist. But what they do is they pretend when they go out. So yeah, we talk about it, you know, behind closed doors, but so does every other family. It's not real, you know. It's the same thing that they do like with abusive kids. You know, when you're abused as a kid, you watch TV and you think that, oh, they're just pretending that the parents don't beat the kids because that's what people do. They just beat the kids, you know? And so you have this idea that your home is the normal home and everybody else is pretending for the sake of the outside world. When in reality, usually you come from a pretty whacked out place, but what it does is it raises you to be a pretty whacked out person. And then you go and you spread your, your vile shit to everybody else. And what ends up happening is you end up taking this kid who maybe isn't experiencing like bullying at home or mean words at home and you're giving them mean words at school and then you turn them mean and then they go back and they're mean to somebody else and it just compounds itself. Bullying is not an issue that can be eradicated. Bullying is a part of of human nature and a part of, that sounds so pessimistic to say, when I say human nature, I don't mean everybody. I mean, but there's always going to be a percentage of people who do this. And since it affects kids the most, kids are the ones who pick it up. And when kids are hurt, they hurt other people. And that was kind of the point of this thing. Like, I think the real way to break the cycle of bullying is to teach kids that that are bullied, you're a good person. And if you've been hurt and you've had something terrible said to you, um, don't let the bully make you mean. Because that's really what they want. They want you to be just as bad as them. That's why they try to drag you down. They're not... I mean, maybe they're jealousy. I don't even know if that's the right term to use. We always tell people the bullies are jealous of you. The bullies are afraid of you. In reality, the bullies don't like that they have this darkness inside of them and you don't. They don't like that they feel evil inside and you seem like a good person. So they want you to be a bad person too. So if they can make you a bad person, they win. That's it. So try not to do that and and you break the cycle. And that's how you get rid of bullying, not through posters and freaking cartoons. All that stuff is just adults trying to feel better about themselves. It's up to the kids to realize I'm a good person. I'm going to stay a good person. I'm not going to let this affect me. And that's that. Yeah, that's really, <laughs> and that's all I have to say about that in the words of Forrest Gump. I think it's uh, it's an important subject. It's one that I haven't written about before. So I was glad to do that. I wanted to be as honest as possible. Hopefully I was. I appreciate you guys letting me do that too. It did mean a lot to me. Uh, at this point, I would do the old thing. I don't know, man, I'm tired. I don't want to feel old today. Uh, it's been a real rough week. So why don't we do this instead? Why don't we just jump right here uh, to a moment of sanity? And we'll talk about it. Hi, Pod. This is your moment of sanity. This week's moment of sanity is a true moment of sanity from this week. It was my son's birthday this week. We celebrated 11 years 
of Lucas, 11 years. And it's really crazy because when you go back to the year it was in 2011, uh, it doesn't sound like a long time ago, especially as a kid who was born, you know, in the 70s, late 70s. It sounds like the future, 2011. In 2011, we will live on Mars. But no, in 2011, that was, you know, 11 years ago. Um, And my son was born and we got to celebrate his 11th birthday. And his birthday has definitely changed a little bit in terms of what we do. I know I've told stories about, you know, we had this birthday party when he was two. It was a nightmare. He didn't dig it. It was a, you know, a play gym thing. And just there were random kids there from, you know, the daycare that they went to when they were very little and the kids were jackass. It was just terrible. The whole thing was a debacle and we swore we wouldn't do it again. Now he's cool. You know, we do, we, we do. He doesn't necessarily need giant presents. I put lights all up in his room. I got him balloons. We get him a little cake. We go out to eat. It was nice. Went out, um, you know, the four of us, me, my daughter, my son, my ex-wife, uh, first time we've done it since the, uh, the great split. So, um, it was definitely, it was definitely, um, yeah, it was like, it's all coming back to me now. I remember on the way out when I'm saying goodbye, I, I turned to my ex-wife and I'm like, well, it's been, uh, it's been familiar. So it was, it was very similar to what we remember for all of us, man. I'm not even just being a jerk. I think we all, uh, our dynamic is eerily similar to the way it was when we uh, weren't divorced. It's, it's kind of funny like that. And it's always made me laugh a little bit. It was okay. It was good. And I think one of the things uh, about having Lucas in my life is that for his birthday and for the things that we do, a lot of it has to be for him, you know? And there's always that desire to do what everybody else does. You think to yourself, what's a birthday? He's 11. You got to do what 11-year-old boys do on their birthday. That's what you do. It's the right thing. And this almost goes back to what I wrote about this week in terms of the whole, you know, pushing and and trying to do the right thing. Because it's easy to do that. It's easy to get caught up in that. Well, he needs a big party. And then you have a party he doesn't want to be at. And you're spending all this money and nobody likes it. And it's pointless. You do what he wants to do. You do what we want to do. And for the most part, Lucas is kind of indifferent to a lot of this stuff, except one thing. To this day, I still don't know why, but Happy Birthday, the song that, you know, the the real song, the one that you can't sing in restaurants, (laughs) is something that affects him. And I don't, I've never really known why. And it goes all the way back to when he was little. He had his birthday. And we had sung happy birthday. And again, he was at that age where he didn't really, I didn't know if he was like picking up on things. Um, it was right around the time of diagnosis. So I didn't know what he understood, what he didn't, why he was the way he was. It may have been three. It may have been like after that. I mean, he was, he got diagnosed around two. So it was like around that time period. And there was a party for a kid. I don't remember if it was a kid in school. This is how hazy the memory was. But it was a party that he was invited to at a Jimboree type of place. And I brought him. It was me and him, nobody else. And we had gone. He's playing in the, you know, the ball pit and all that stuff and bringing him around. And then we went into the other room and they started singing happy birthday to the other kid. And Lucas started to cry. And I don't mean like, Wah! I mean, like, just like weeping. It was so sad. It like broke my heart. I'm holding him. What's the matter? Dude, what's the matter? Like, I'm like, come on, buddy. And we left and I couldn't figure it out. I remember bringing it up to one of his therapists at the time. I'm like, I don't, he just started crying and they were like, oh, they're like, he just had a birthday, right? I'm like, yeah, he just had a birthday a few weeks ago. They were like, maybe he was jealous. And I'm like, what? Because I mean, <laughs> it was the last thing I would think of is that he was jealous. He was so little and he was at that age where I didn't know if he was processing any emotions correctly. You know what I mean? Like he was just, 
kind of hanging out, you know, he would do things, he had fun and things like that. But Lucas didn't feel like sympathy or, you know, anger so much or jealousy. It's like such an abstract concept. And now, you know, nine or so years later, I, I think so. Because to this day, happy birthday gets him every time. And I start doing it the morning of his birthday. I'll be like, happy birthday to you. And I'll poke him and he smiles and he looks at me with this look like, what? Yeah. And I got to say, like, I, he's not the kind of kid where you just turn to him and be like, you know, it's your birthday. And he'll be like, oh, like, you know, like you can't really get that point across. I've written blogs about it. There was one that I called, does he know it's his birthday? One of those insane questions that people like to ask you when your child uh, is nonverbal. They think that for some reason you want to you want to address that subject with him. Does he know it's his birthday? And like, I don't know. Why don't you email him, jackass? You know, like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But he's not the kind of kid where you turn him and you go, it's your birthday. And he goes, oh. But this, singing that song to him affects him. And he knows it. I think that's how he knows it's his birthday. And I was doing that yesterday. And I have to do it. I do it in my my fun little voice. And he smiles and he giggles. And he has this look on his face of acknowledgement that makes me so happy. And that's the one thing that I make sure every birthday we do all the other stuff, balloons, anything that doesn't really um, affect his time. I should say like he might not have big parties because he doesn't like them, but I buy balloons. He didn't care about balloons. I do. So I take a picture with the balloons. They're cute. One year I got one that was an Elmo head. You hit it and Elmo sang. That thing was annoying and it lasted forever. Now he just has a big happy birthday one down there. So we do that. You get him some little presents that he likes. Sometimes he doesn't want to open them. People want to see him open them. He doesn't really care. Uh, so we do that. Get him a little cake he likes to eat. Did surprise me yesterday. Uh, got the cake, put it out there, put a fork next to it, and he started eating the cake with the fork, just stabbing it in, which is completely out of character. Even my daughter turns around. She's like, I didn't know he did that. And I'm like, I didn't know he did it like that either. So we're very proud of him about that. But that's his thing, man. Singing happy birthday. That's the acknowledgement. You see that look in his in his eyes and it feels really good. So I was happy about that. And for me, it's a little thing, but that is definitely a moment of sanity. So yeah, find your moments of sanity, hold on to them, grasp onto them, you know, cling tight wherever you find them because in life we need sanity. If you don't have it, uh, what do you have? You have insanity. So don't have insanity, have sanity. Uh, and feel good about yourself. Feel good about the things around you. Be happy. I'm trying. Hopefully you are too. And that does it for me, guys. I will be back next Friday with a brand new podcast on any of the services. Grab me, find me, love me, please. Uh, and then go back to the blogs. Hi, blog. I'm dad. Whether it's uh, Monday, Wednesday, new blogs every week. That does it for me. Until next time, this is James Gutman. Be well. Bye, pod. I'm dad. <laughs>